0: At this time, Miss Dina Foster has a special. Thank you, Ms. Dina, and, and certainly the specials were great and wonderful, and I am excited to get a chance to share a portion of God's Holy Word with you this morning. Go ahead and open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. We're still on the theme of pursuing a life of excellence. Matter of fact, uh, yesterday I... Uh dropped off Caleb early in the morning. He was headed to Monticello for a three-game basketball tournament yesterday. Uh, went on to Walmart, picked up some stuff, went by uh, the hospital to see Miss Frances. And, and I knew that I'd seen her right when she went in, uh, I believe it was Thursday. And, I was, and she had uh, said, hey, we need to study God's Word. So I've already preached this sermon one time. Uh, yesterday morning and we spent a couple, it won't be two hours like we did with miss Francis yesterday, but we had a good, we covered a lot of different subjects and including this message and really this message is we, and I knew that we would get to here that is, is a hard subject because, and of course, anytime you, you have a portion where you look at God's word and you're going to, you're going to cover it. You're going to cover the verses you're going you're gonna to absolutely have to. It's One of the great things about expository preaching is that you have to deal with all the verses, or you should anyway. And so you're dealing with these verses, and, and really, you know, matter of fact, we were about uh, sitting there for about an hour and 15 minutes, and we were talking about this, and she said, Brother Michael, let's stop and pray right now for every family in our church. And so we did. We and then, of course, before I left, I had another word of prayer with her, and uh, she she led that, that prayer. And she wanted to tell me, or tell me to tell you, that she is praying for every family, every home, and every individual that may be struggling here this morning. And certainly, any time you're dealing with uh, verses that deal with uh, what we're dealing with this morning, that's having a relationship. Number one, a right relationship with God, a right relationship with yourself, and a right relationship with your spouse. And Jesus dealt with these things. And so, looking at this, it's never too late to have a better relationship. And so, what I want to think about this morning for a little while, in having this right relationship, a better relationship. And you could say a better relationship with the Lord. You could say that, couldn't you? I need a better relationship with my spouse. I need a better relationship with my family. I need a better relationship with my Savior. And uh, certainly you can have Jesus as your Savior, but not be right with Him. Not be close to Him like you should be. And thinking about this also, uh, this life of excellence means I want to live the way Jesus wants me to live. And this thinking about I want to move forward. I want to be the kind of Christian that pleases Him. How can I move forward, how can I make this change? It's never too late to give your life to the Lord. It's never too late to give your marriage to the Lord. It's never too late for a brand new beginning. I I say, I I just need a new direction in my life. It's never too late to say, you know what, I need to make some changes in my life, in my home. It's never too late to say, I need to go a different direction. Um... you know, even sometimes you, it's never too late to start a, start a new hobby. You may want to start something brand new in your life. I ran across a picture of a, a grandmother who wanted to start a new hobby in her life. And so it doesn't matter whether you're 60 or 70 or just to say, you know what, I want a brand new beginning. I want to, I want to try something I've never tried before. But folks, what it is is saying God What direction do you want me to go in? Which way do you want me to go? And so the very first verse that we're going to look at, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. We're going to read two verses together, 27 and 28. So would you mind standing for the reading of God's holy word? We'll read these two verses right off the bat. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not... Commit adultery But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her Hath committed adultery with her already in his heart Father, thank you for your word Even when it speaks tough things to our ears May we be open and attentive to your holy word In Jesus' name, amen Amen, you may be seated Thank you for standing for the reading of God's Word, and thanks for the heads up on the Pastor and, uh or the Children's Church. They definitely enjoy that. We have, matter of fact, if all the ladies right now that are signed up uh, are are here, a lady only has to be in the Children's Church every three months, one time, because we have 12 Ladies, approximately, on our list. So that's approximately one time every three months. So you really don't have to miss that much church if you want to help out in children's church. And thank the Lord for our wonderful, awesome volunteers. I appreciate them so very much. Okay? And looking at this this morning, uh, you know, thinking about this first thing, these first two verses, I've simply titled it this morning, A Wandering Eye. Uh, and just right off the bat, as I was working on this message, I just put, you know, these two statements, it's, it's wrong, and you know, you think about this, did you know there's some people that, well, wher, what, what really does the Bible say? What really does God think about things? Well, let me go ahead and say these two statements, and they're pretty, they're just plain. And so let's just be plain here this morning. It's wrong to commit adultery. And it's wrong to have sex outside of marriage. It is. Our world has grown to accept these things. And so, you know, I, I don't apologize for it. God doesn't apologize for it. And so we need to say that. But, you know, I remember whenever I was... Uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, it's great to have my two nephews here. And, and sitting over there with Caleb... And of course, whenever I start, came into, uh, the Wilkes family in 1986, I immediately, I was going seminary and I worked at Walmart. Then I turned around and ended up getting a job at an insulation company. And it was the same one that, uh, Hayden's dad worked at, at that time. I'm one year older than Michael, uh, his dad and, uh, Karen's brother. And so, and I remember us being there and them, the workers there at the insulation company giving me and Michael a hard time uh, because they said, man, you're, if you're dating somebody, you need to, so to speak. They said, use this phrase, take, take the car for a test drive. And so that's the, even in the, you know, ever how many years, that's the philosophy of the world is that it's okay. Number one. And number two, that, that's the, well, you know, there's nothing wrong. And what if you just love each other? What if you just love? See, all these are, what are you trying to do when you say this? Number one, you're trying to justify. Matter of fact, that, you know, I've even had preachers that were shocked that, you know, I never had a, a, I've never had another sexual relationship besides the woman I'm married to, never had a sexual relationship before marriage. And it even surprised some preachers. But that's God's design, and I, and I don't don't say that braggingly. I say it just thanking the Lord because it was by His protection, it was by His uh, fleeing. And we'll deal with some verses here in the Bible. The Bible says and gives some examples to flee fornication. Now, number one, I don't need to number. And we're just going to get to some verses. And we just read 27, 28. Number number one, I don't need to think that I'm better than anybody. You know why? Because the Bible says I have committed adultery. I've committed in my heart. Because most men, if they're honest with themselves and honest with the Lord, uh, they've looked at women with lust. And uh, in even pursuing those thoughts, maybe not to the full extent, but what that does, it makes you guilty before God. And it makes those who think, might think they're a little bit more holier than thou or more righteous than they ought to think them, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that, hey, you're just as guilty before God as somebody who's committed the very act. And may, you know what that means? It means we're all sinners. Now, before I go much further in this message this morning, uh, if you've made any of these mistakes... If uh, you've experienced divorce, we're going to deal with divorce in just a second. If you've experienced sex outside of marriage, if you've experienced adultery on either end of it, having been the offending party or the one that it's been committed to, please don't think of yourself right now as any less of a person. You're just a person who's made a mistake. And folks, we've all made mistakes. We've all had Sins, and we've all done wrong. I, I don't stand before you any better than anybody in this room. I'm not. And anybody who paints themselves or puts themselves above you is committing the sin of hypocrisy and self-righteousness. OK? Did you hear me? Did you understand what I just said? Anybody that puts themselves above you is painting themselves in the sin of hypocrisy and self-righteousness. Folks, we all stand in need of a savior. We all stand as sinners before a holy God. And that's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus. Also, if you've committed any of these mistakes in your life, Uh, Don't paint yourself as, well, now that I've made this mistake and I've got this scar upon my life, that means I'm a second-class Christian. That's wrong, and that's a lie from Satan. You are not a second-class Christian. What I've preached before, and I called it, and I preached this series almost nine years ago, and I preached a series, and it's one of my points, in my message is called Life in the Blender. And folks, we've all had those times in our life that we learned from the mistakes and we, and we moved on. But right now, and I've preached this so many times, take what you have right now. Take what you have right now. Give your marriage, your home, your life, your children, your relationships. You give them to the Lord. You stick to your guns and say, sure, I messed up. Sure, I made some mistakes, but don't have to do it again. And I can step up and I can say, God, you take what I have now and take all I have. And you give it to him and say, I need to serve you with everything I've got left because it's all I have. You know what? God will smile. And he'll accept your heart, he'll accept your life, he'll accept your even with your scars and your mistakes, and he'll say, I'll take it. That's what he'll say to you. He'll say, I'll take your life, and I'll use it. You know, God will take your life, he'll take somebody, and he'll take you and use you for his honor and glory, and that's all you could ever ask. So don't knock yourself. Don't say, well, yeah, man, I've messed up, I've made mistakes, and I've done this, I've done wrong. So, man, I'm second-rate, I'm second-class. No, you're not. Sure, you may have a scar, and scars heal. It doesn't mean that they never happen, because you can look at them and, and they're there. I've got scars on my body. You've, if you've had any surgeries or cuts or anything, you may have a scar on your body. and so that's, It's still a reminder of something that happened, something that went wrong. And so, yes, wandering eye. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, this is that verse, Flee Fornication, every sin that a man doth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication. And all fornication is, is a matter of fact, it's a Greek word, it's por- pornia which is where we get our word pornography. And I'll deal with that in just a second. Sinneth against his own body. It is something we should flee. The most famous fleer of that fornication, of course, was Joseph. Whenever he was uh, Potiphar's wife, said, Hey, come sleep with me. And he fled out the room and she held on to his jacket for circumstantial evidence and pinned him with it and said, Hey, this fellow attacked me and he ended up in jail over a lie. Alright, and so that's the most famous thing. Just a little ways further in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, the Bible says, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man or woman have his own wife or husband, and let every woman have her own husband. So, looking at this... Uh, that you 're to have you are to be for each other, you are a gift to each other, and to work on that matter of fact, first Corinthians seven is about better communication and learning to communicate even you wouldn 't think this is in the Bible, but it is first Corinthians seven is about communication even Towards intimacy. And that that's supposed to be done in marriage. Is where it's supposed to be. And so the, Jesus was saying here. A wandering eye it basically is this. It's a lustful desire that we, should, that we pursue in our heart. And it means we're guilty before God. And so he was saying this is a problem of the heart. The heart is the problem. It says in our verse that we've read... It says that he that looks with lust has committed sin already with her in his heart. So the heart is my problem. The heart is where I mess up is whenever you're not, you know, folks, when you come to church and you know you're sitting there and you're thinking, my relationship with Jesus is not what it ought to be. You know where your problem is? in your heart. You say, my marriage is struggling. A lot of times the, re- the problem is in the heart. My relationship is struggling. A lot of times the problem is in the heart. As we look at these verses, Matthew 15 and verse 19. Says this, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness. Where did all these things come from? They come from the heart. Matter of fact, the Bible says in another place, it says, my heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? That means who can understand it? Who can comprehend it? So my, you know what? My, I live in one of these days. I'm going to be out of this body. I'm going to have a new glorified body. I'm going to be with Jesus. And I thank the Lord every day for God giving me a great wife, a great spouse, and one that we've, we've clung to each other through problems, trials, Temptations, worries, headaches. Thank the Lord for her love and her support. When these days we're going to be rid of this old flesh. Jesus knew, knew that he, whenever he dealt with this. That there's temptation there. Well let's move on back to our text in verse 29. Matthew 5:29 is the next verse and it says, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. And cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30 says this, it says, And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. This simply I think about as an ounce of prevention. You know, Jesus is not talking about literal surgery. You know, all of us have had surgery before, and, uh, you know, there's such thing as plastic surgery. I ran across this really cool picture, and uh, plastic surgery. Look, at that duck got plastic surgery. And uh, there's, you know, plastic surgery is reconstructive surgery, accidents, scars, blemishes. I've had, uh, I've had surgeries everywhere. I remember one time get, uh, I went down this trolley, basically a zip line into the water, and I felt something. I thought it was a tear, and I ended up tearing something in my shoulder. I had to have surgery when I was 10. I remember being so painful. And uh, anyway, and that, it, was, it was worth it, though. <laughs> that that zip line was fun and everything. And, and so I've had the other side. I literally had surgery. I had a minor surgery after I jumped off the house in the trampoline. That's the most stitches, 27 stitches. That's the most stitches I sewed my nose back on my face. I'm not going to put that picture up on there. But, uh, you know, and so, and then, of course, the surgery where I almost lost my life at 11 years old. And when my appendix blew up, I lived for three days without surgery. And uh, and the doctor came out after the surgery and told my mom, said, uh, well, you know, he's got a 50-50 chance. It could go either way. And, you know, and she said a sudden peace came over her like she'd never had in her life. And she said, well, if he does make it, God must have a plan for his life. And if he doesn't make it. Well, I thank the Lord that last year my son gave his heart to Jesus. And that was the peace that she had in her life. And that, ten, that ten, the year before, 10 years old, I did get saved. And that's how old I was when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And apparently he did have a plan for me because I'm standing before you today. And so, folks, he's not talking about literal surgery because, you, folks, listen to me very closely. The problem, remember the whole point of this sermon, the problem is not in my hand, is it? The problem's not in my eyeball. The problem is not even in my brain. The problem, remember where it's at? you see that's the problem so he's not really talking about literal surgery is he he's talking about saying if this, if there's something standing between you and God spiritual surgery is more important than any physical surgery basically this Jesus is saying identify your temptation is it a person or a place is something what is keeping you say well my friend every time I get around them I get drunk and I drink every, my friend this person tempts me, if I watch this, this is tempting to me, if I look at the computer long enough, this is tempting to me, something is drawing me away from God, folks, exit out, Put it, do, do something, perform spiritual surgery, if there's something that hinders you and trips you up in your life, Jesus says, cut it off. Because the problem is not in our finger, our literal hand. Because you can take a man and cut all his limbs off and he can still sin in his heart. The sin is not in our limbs. The sin is in our heart. So what is causing the temptation? You say, well, Satan, yeah, he's the original source. But Satan always uses tools. Pornography is easily accessible today Probably more In the history of mankind Is something that will degrade young men And cause them to grow up in a world Of addiction And temptation And struggle Because and You know I thought about how to address this Especially in a a congregation of all ages. But just to say this, is that it is a problem in our society. And if you don't talk to your, especially your sons, if you don't talk to your, and I've had this talk with my son. I've had, I've had this talk with Caleb. And so, folks, this talk needs to occur. If you bury your head in the stand, it, the problem is real. You must communicate. Don't don't think. Well, that'll never happen. It already has. It already has. It's already occurred. There may be some grown men in here with this problem, with this temptation, and uh, start now. Just say, if listen, there's nothing wrong with it. I've you know, matter of fact, we watched that uh, that show, and that fellow took that. Computer and threw it out and beat it with his baseball bat out in the yard. That's spiritual surgery. Just just say, well, I don't need a smartphone. I don't need a computer. I don't need whatever. If it's if it's got to go, it's got to go. And say, I need to cling to my wife and love her with every ounce of strength I've got. Fight for your homes. Fight for your marriage. Speaking of marriage, the next part is life in the blender. Life in the blender is, is something that we, you can take and you can add to and take. I grew up in a blended home. I grew up with more steps than I had blood. <laughs> and uh, we had stepbrothers, uncles, step stepgrandparents. And, and thank the Lord, you know, for the most part, everybody got along great in all of this. And, and I've shared some of those stories with many of you already. The Bible says now, back in our text, Matthew chapter 5, verse 31, the Bible says this. It hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife. This is Jesus talking about the, the status quo. Let him give her a writing of divorcement. Verse 32, but I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committed committeth adultery and uh <clears throat> god is not for divorce but he allows it god is not willing that any should perish but he allows it. You say, well, God allows people to perish? Yeah. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I believe the Bible says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Have you ever thought about that? God allows divorce. But he doesn't like it. But God, hey, th- think about this. 2 Peter 3 9 says this God is not willing that any should perish, but do people perish? You see what I mean? The Bible says very plainly God doesn't want people to perish. But why? You have a choice. You have a choice to make. And so. That there were, this, this is basically it. Let me, let me tell you what was happening. Because a lot of people have uh, taken these scriptures and they've misapplied them. And this, it says, uh, you've heard it said that whoever wants to divorce, give her a writing of a bill of divorcement. And we'll get to that. And basically what it says is a, a spinoff of uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, I believe it uh, we got it in our outline there. In Deuteronomy one. And we'll talk, we'll look at it real quick and, you know, not only why is it bad, why is divorce bad, but Genesis 2.24 says this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. The reason divorce is bad is because you're, you're one flesh. And you take the, you take, uh, one flesh, you tear it, it's gonna be painful. So that's why divorce is usually painful. But, uh, in Deuteronomy, this is the, divorce, in other words, uh, the verse that they're basing it on, Deuteronomy 24.1, when a man, has, has he t- takes a wife, and he marries her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him give her, or write her a bill of divorcement, give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. Well, that's not God's design, and we'll get to God's design and so they tempted him here. They tempted Jesus here, and he's preaching on it. And then they tempted him later, and we'll look at that. I believe it's Matthew 19. But here's what was happening. Basically, they took they. You give, have you ever heard the phrase? Like, you give somebody an inch, and they take a mile. Well, that's what they were happening with Deuteronomy 24:1. Basically, my wife burned my toast. I'm sorry, baby. Here you go. There you go. We're, we're done. You burnt the toast. Uh, she did not make the bed. Sorry, honey. You're gone. You're out of here. And give her. And that's what was happening. Jesus is saying. That, that's and there were two rabbis that were teaching this, Hillel and Shammai and the liberal guy was saying you can divorce them for any reason and, and the literal guy said no, God only wants us to divorce when there's no other choice, and even for the hardness of your heart, and, and that's what Jesus, he upped it, he says stop giving those cheap divorces for burning the toast, or not cooking the eggs right, or not making the bed, that's wrong he said unless it's for the seriousness of fornication or adultery, sex outside of marriage, unless it's for the most serious thing, stay together, fight together, and even then, fight for it. I've seen spouses even recover from adultery and from fornication, from unfaithfulness. I've seen that. It's rare, because most people don't have that level of forgiveness inside of them. I can't trust them anymore. I don't love them. by the way, that... The only reason anybody doesn't love anybody else is because you choose to stop loving them. Don't say, I fell out of love. But you can, choose to, you can choose to love anybody. The Bible says so. Okay? It's your choice. You just stop doing it and you chose to love something else or someone else. And so that was the, that's the reason that he's saying if you if this is the reason that people say, Well you shouldn't if you get divorced and then you remarry, then they committed adultery. No, that's wrong. Because it says that in Paul's writings, he said, If you have an unbelieving spouse and they depart, let them depart in peace. In other words, you you tried and they left. And and it says when Jesus said if you marry somebody that's committed adultery excuse me, that's been divorced, you commit adultery. Now, I know that's a, I'm speaking really fast, but basically this, what happens when they handed the burnt toast divorce papers to her, God says, you're still married. That wasn't worth two cents. So if you married the person who had the burnt toast divorce, that's what Jesus meant by, if you marry that person that came out of that, you've committed adultery because they're, in my eyes, they're still married because that wasn't valid. That's why He said that. And so... Basically, all this. Basically, us you say, well, that's confusing. Well, you know what? Let's boil it down, and make it simple. What's God's design? Matthew nineteen three. The Pharisees came unto him, tempting him, saying, "Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife?" and it says, when it says in King James, "For every cause," it means for any reason. Verse four says, and he answered and said unto them, "Have you not read that he which made them from the beginning, he made them male and female?" Boy, that will speak in today's world. <laughs> and he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they, twain or two, shall be one flesh. That's God's design. A man and a woman getting married. That's God's design. Verse Matthew 19:6. Wherefore, they are no more twain or two, but are one flesh. And what therefore God hath joined together... Let nobody put asunder. So divorce is, is not good. It, it is sin. You say, even for the cause of it. It's a tearing of the flesh. Does God allow it? Yes. He, he says, and again, again, I've got to repeat this. And I know I've had you about 30 minutes now, so y'all are doing great. Let me brag on you. Y'all doing awesome. If you've been through divorce, you're no less or more of any, you know, than anybody in here. And I grew up in a broken home, and I know the the heartache and the pain, the confusion, and and seeing it from a child's perspective, anyway. And uh, but please don't say, "Well, I I can't do like they can." I don't. Just say, hey, I want to give my life to the Lord. I'm going to give my marriage and everything I've got to Him. And then, of course, they went on, verse 7, they said, well, why? They, you know, you've got a smart aleck in every crowd. Well, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and put her away? I can just hear that whiny voice right now. And he said, well, Moses did it. Jesus put a little uh, grunt in there. Because of the hardness of your hearts suffered you to put away your wives. From the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whoever puts away his wife except for the be. And when it says except it be for the cause of fornication. It means for the most serious of offenses. And shall marry. In other words, if you have a burnt toast divorce. God says you're still married. <clears throat> There's two things in closing. Two things you need to guard. Let's fight for this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be down here in the front in just a second. I know Brother Bruce is getting ready for him invitation, but we need to guard our heart. Matthew 12:34 says, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Matthew twelve thirty five says this, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the tre- evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So guard your heart. You also need to guard your home. I like what Job says here. Pay close attention to this verse. Job 31, 1, I made a covenant. I made an agreement with my eyes that I would not think upon a maid. Basically this, don't put before your eyes anything that will cause you to stumble. And say, I know if I do this, this is a temptation. I don't need to look. I don't need to wonder. I don't need to be put myself in that predicament. I don't need to put myself in that situation. Satan hates it when we pray. And I hope and pray, if you'll just humble yourself and say, God... I want my heart, my home to be for you. What's your desire this morning? As we prepare for a hymn invitation, would you bow with me for a word of prayer, Father? Yes, Satan is attacking our hearts and our homes. And dear Lord, I ask you to forgive me. For When I fail you and mess up Make mistakes Your Lord help us to seek you Humbly Knowing that all of us need a Savior I'm thankful that you Help me You're available for anyone Who will call on you You're available Even now protect our homes and our church would be strong in Jesus name Amen